We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast on a Sunday. I'm here. It's me, Simon Campbell. I'm here with, with Ben Wade, Norman Riley on the phone. Dog is still not back from Poland. We'll not, we'll not mention Poland anymore, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk to you about the, the West Brom defeat yesterday. Newcastle were, were beaten 1-0 at home in a, in a dull affair. Second 1-0 defeat in the space of six days. Um, we'll also just talk about... With, with, because there's probably about 20 minutes max of talking about that, that particular game. We've got some good questions in from listeners, which we'll go through from Twitter. Um, I'd also take this opportunity to plug the new fanzine. There's a brand new episode. Episode? Issue. Issue. There's a brand new issue of uh, the True Faith fanzine out online, completely free. You can access it by going to the True Faith website, tf.co.uk. Um, it's class, full of brilliant, brilliant articles, some by the podcast uh, members themselves. Norman, Norman, you're right, Z's in there, isn't it? And a couple more other bits. It is, that's right, yeah. So it's obviously, that's it's worth the... Um... It's worth the cover charge alone, just for that article. You know, <laughs> class. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely give that a read. There's some some really class stuff in it, as always. Um, and of course, uh, we did a match day podcast yesterday during the game. If you if you wanted to relive that that one nil um, <laughs> one nil for patrons, obviously that you can subscribe. Links in the podcast, etc., etc. Right, we'll crack on and talk about that wonderful, wonderful football match yesterday. Um, Ben, that's the second one 0 defeat in in six days you've witnessed. In, in a week, yeah. So I'll come to you first. How is how has this week been for you as, oh, as a Newcastle fan? Pre- down there, absolutely rubbish. Um, yeah, not obviously not going to go over Monday night again. But um, it it was a similar. T- well, not I don't think we played in the in the same sort of vein as Everton, but um, just lacking that intensity um, at the in the final third and. Sort of the the through the builder play um was was apparent and you we, we said um we, we sort of expected in the preview that would would be a bit more up for this one but um it just didn't happen and I think it's it's becoming apparent that these the players um obviously they must must have been under intense pressure sort of back uh, probably about six or seven weeks ago now when they they dropped into the um the, the relegation zone and obviously we played Man U after that um, Huddersfield result and. Sort of the, the pressure was on, but they they reacted and and have been fighting ever since. And some of the results and performances have been absolutely outstanding. Um, so we can't really fault them. But it it just right now we've sort of achieved the target of the the forty point uh, or forty one points what Rafa wanted. It just seems to be that there's been a bit of a 
sort of relaxation and, and sort of been a sigh of relief almost from the players and they're just not playing with the um sort of the I, I guess it's sort of the um sort of drive and, and yeah. sort of intensity that, that they, they did when obviously they they did it was an idea that they needed the points. Yeah. I mean yesterday just this we sort of drifted through the game I felt like and even in the last sort of twenty, thirty minutes when we were obviously sort of pushing for the um for the win, it wasn't sort of the normal um, composed performance that we used to from this team. It was very panicky. There was a lot of rush passes. We were passing balls out of play, and it just it just wasn't Newcastle United we've come to know recently. Yeah, I mean, Norman, me and you talked about this yesterday. It, there's a little bit of complacency there. I think I think it's it's plain to see the lads have kind of that there has been a little bit of a foot off the gas. But we were talking about this, and and we, we kind of said even if it is just a bit of complacency, it can be absolutely forgiven because these lads have absolutely worked their socks off, played out their skin for the last few months and earned the right to kind of, to to have a few shit games, you know, the, the, the last two performances have been n- not what we've come to expect, but you know what, they're against teams who are still still doing all right, West, West Brom still got something to play for, Everton at home, Allardyce is fighting to, to keep his job. Um, you know what, if we, if we have a couple of stinkers on 41 points because we've already made it, I can forgive that, and, and Norman, um, I'll come to you. I know, I know you were as disappointed as I was after the game because even if it is like a defeat that doesn't really mean much, and we're and we're we're safe, coming out of St James's Park after losing at home to West Brom doesn't doesn't feel any better, does it? No, we said that it's 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 just it's never nice to lose, obviously. Um, so you always have that you have that kind of you know that that immediate post match reaction where you just um, it's it's interesting because it wasn't it wasn't anger, it was just. Um, you're just disappointed because your side uh, lost, but at the same time, when, when we, we we mentioned it, you you do put it into context, and and the, the kind of you know the the further away from the game we've got, and the more time you've had to think, you do you do start to be a lot more realistic, and and why it the why the performance um, panned out how it did. I mean, you think you got, I suppose you can apply it to any job, and look, people can say you know footballers are paid thousands of pounds, it, you know they shouldn't let complacency keep into the game, but you know at the end of the day, they're all human beings, and if you think. Any kind of pressure situation in your life, you know, if you're if you're in a particularly busy period of work and you're tired but you're running on adrenaline, if you're you know if you're, you're setting yourself up for exams and you you've got you're running on adrenaline and the exams are finished and you always tend to after after the kind of after the adrenaline subsides because it's kind of no longer needed, um, you, you do kind of naturally just become a little bit more complacent or you know you're all a little bit more sluggish and, and that's what's happened. We had Rafa. You know, he was on TV saying the, the target is 40 points, the target is 40 points, and he was doing that for, for a considerable amount of time. And we hit that target incredibly early on, and a lot earlier than um, I'd imagine even Rafa anticipated. And there is no doubt um, there is a, a lack of adrenaline, and that lack of adrenaline obviously is is what's contributed to the, the lack of intensity, which is what we saw yesterday. The um, chances were created. We had a good four or five chances to score. Um, and, you know, that... That comes down to, to kind of issues of how clinical we are, and I suppose that'll be addressed pre-season once Rafa knows what kind of what kind of money he's got. But um, you know, you think the Kennedy shot goes in, one's each different game. Um, Foster doesn't pull off that brilliant save from Gale again. The, the game changes. The Diomia chance. So you know, by half time, we could have been two one up, or we could have gone at least could have gone in at least uh, ones each. And I think by that point, West Brom were, were quite content to sit back. And I think if we'd if we'd gone in at half time ones each, we would have equalised. So it's just it's just fine margins, and um, like like you've both said, we can't. It's it's impossible to be angry about it because of of what the what the sides achieved, you know. But 
got two games left of the season. Three, we've got three games, but most teams have got two games left. And there's um, we're uh, we're still in tenth place, and there's every chance, given the way the table is at the moment, that we're going to finish in the top ten. Which, regardless of how the rest of the season pans out, is is still on the whole absolutely incredible, and it's testament to to what the players have given. So I, it's um, always disappointing to lose, but in the grand scheme of things, it's uh, it's not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. No, nah, I completely agree. I mean, if, if you think back, I mean, I think we sort of with ten games to go, we were sort of looking ahead to think where where realistically um, would would be at this stage, and I, I think most of us probably felt like this game, the West Brom game, would be the one where we'd would probably be looking to seal our sort of uh, safety. And and actually, we've we've done it about four weeks before, so um, you can't you can't sort of. <laughs> criticise them now after sort of doing the job um, comfortably sort of a few weeks ago and I think it's just as I say um, it, it was a frustrating game I mean the frustration as you say you've just been through the chances there we we didn't deserve to lose that game um, having said that I mean the the way we played it, it was very much West Brom came to do a job on us and um, they frustrated us they they basically allowed us to dictate the game and um, we we know from from experience that that this team isn't totally comfortable when they're they're having to take take the game to, to to the opposition and I think that first goal was was key in it and it went their way and it just fell perfectly for them that it meant they could um, just sit back and, and allow us to come on and, and defend which is what what they wanted to do um, yeah I mean even then though give give credit to the lads we've created some brilliant chances there that we've just not put away so I'm I'm not going to sit here and criticise them and say it wasn't good enough because on another day we'll win that game easily three or three or four one um it was just as i say we didn't get the rub of the green and and, and that's the way it went unfortunately yeah. actually um alex hurst tf alex 1892 oh, who's on he? twitter yeah imagine that all the way from poland one of his questions was have teams work out how to play against us particularly when defending yeah um the the pack in the penalty area and, and pressing our wingers and kind of pushing us back in our own half and that it was noticeable I think we commented yesterday during the game that Diame and Shelby were much deeper and we were being pinned back a lot but with the ball mm-hmm. and what you've just said there people are almost um, I wouldn't say that people are working out how to play against us I think people are now treating us like a top half team mm-hmm. people are setting up against us like we're like we're, they're the underdogs now and they're, and they're kind of playing that kind of that deep let them have the ball we'll just hang on and try and catch them on the break that's exactly what West Brom did yesterday and you know what they did it quite well, well um, we've gone through spells of the season haven't we because I mean if you think back obviously we, we lost to um, Tottenham but then at the start of the season we had that little good run where we were literally we were fourth I think weren't we after yeah. five games or something but we'd, we'd, we'd basically um, been winning games sort of on the back foot almost yeah. if you think of it like with like 30% analogies. possession yeah just sort of on sort of back foot um, boxing type but yeah uh, Teams once we were in that position, teams were coming in and were saying, "Right, you break with down." Then yeah. and we went in that terrible run up, sort of just past um, up up to Christmas, basically where we 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 didn't win for like ten games <coughs> or whatever. But that obviously in turn meant that teams were coming to have a go at us because they they, they felt like we were there for the taking and that yeah. played into our hands. So it swings around about. I mean, I think it does what it does highlight for Rafa is it going forward. Um, you'll know what what we need in terms of the team to sort of be able to um, accommodate sort of the, the different um, approaches of teams. But again, I mean, as I say, we're, you're talking about have teams worked out. Well, no, because West Brom still should have conceded three. We, yeah. we should have scored three goals yesterday. What, what so a- I'm not going to sit here and say they they, they, they out sort of tactically out, out um, thought us or outplayed us or anything like that. They just yeah. got they just got lucky. Yeah. Um, actually, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Nacho Dog 47 on Twitter said, um, 
it was clear that West Brom were playing us at our own game, which is kind of what we just yeah. said. Um, and what's the best way for us to counter that? And I think what you said is right. It's like we've won. We've, we've played a lot of games like this this season where it's been a tight, close-knit affair. We've had three or four 1-0 defeats at home. We've had a couple of 1-0 wins away. We've had... We've won just as many of these games as we've lost. And that's what it's like in that kind of football match where it's tight. And, you know, after watching match of the day this morning, I've I kind of had forgotten how many chances we've had. And, and yeah, you know, 1-0 wasn't fair on us. And to, to be honest, how to counter that, sometimes you've just got to kind of go with it. And we, we didn't we didn't need the points as much as, as West Brom did, who technically still can stay up. It'd be, yeah. it'd be, it'd be some time. And, you know... Oh. The, the way the way to counter that is to, to go to the summer and, and to improve the squad and that, that's what we've got to be aiming for. We, you know, we know how to play in games where it's going to be tight. We know we can pick up points here and probably drop points elsewhere. The way to kind of advance on that is to improve the team and that's kind of what we're, what we're going to start talking about a bit later is, is what where we'll we start targeting to, to improve the team. Have you got anything more to add to that, Norman? I am um, just, uh, just on, on West Brom as well. I mean, again, yeah, I don't think they deserve to win 1-0. I think on reflection, a draw would have been a draw would have been a fair result, I think, for both sides because West Brom did have a couple, you know, a couple of half opportunities with Rodriguez miss kicking a couple of times. Um, but the other thing as well is um, the, the the hunger. Um, where for the for the Newcastle lads, to a vast extent, it is it is, the job the job has been done. The expectations have been met. Whereas West Brom, they've had this horrific experience under Pardew, um, and. <laughs> They've come out of it, and yeah, of course, technically they're not relegated. But even if they were, I think you've got players who have just had this kind of weight lifted from their shoulders, and they've got <laughs> someone in charge, someone in charge who they clearly like, and they've got pride to play for. And some of them are probably playing to engender moves in pre-season or to secure the future of the club. So that they had a kind of they, to a certain extent, had a lot, a lot more to play for than, than we did, and I think that was reflected in the. In their determination levels, determination levels, they were just a bit more. Um, they, they were kind of a, a bit more committed in the tackle. They were a little bit more dynamic when they broke forward. They had a little bit more sort of pace and strength about them yesterday. Um, and I think what I could compare it to, to a certain extent, was I think I mentioned this to you at the match, Simon. Um, when Newcastle in 04-05, sorry, under Suness had been so bad for so long, such an inept manager, such a lower morale at the club. And then Rhoda took over, and Rhoda wasn't necessarily, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, he wasn't particularly brilliant coach, but we went on a fantastic run. And I think a lot of it was down to the fact that the players just felt, they felt like they had this this freedom that was that hadn't been there for months. And I think you saw that at West Brom yesterday. The body language of the players on the pitch, there was a, there was a lot of togetherness there, and we just played them at a, we played them at a good time for them and a bad time for us. If that had been Pardew in charge yesterday, I think we would have done tanked them three or four nil. I really do. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of little factors that kind of contributed, contributed there to the defeat yesterday. So, as I say, no reason to be disheartened. And um, it's a result that, you know, again, like the Everton loss of the other night, we won't even be thinking about it this time next season at all. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, Norman. I mean, it did feel like one team was just coming to the end of the season and one team was just starting their season. It, it was weird. It, it, um, ben? I was just going to say, I, I think as well, that this, this West Brom side aren't that changed from the team that's been an established Premier League team for a number of years. They've just had inept managers in charge of them just doing it wrong, basically. I mean, this this is still pretty much the, the team that um, that Pulis had for years that were, came and, and did that to a lot of teams. They, they, they sort of nicked a goal and then sat back and defended. So they're, they're obviously a well-drilled team. Um, and Darren Moore's just got them sort of going back to basics. So I think, again, we've, we've got to appreciate we're, we're playing with 
okay, they've had a bad season, but they, they, they've, they've beaten Man U, they've beaten Arsenal, and they've beaten Newcastle United. Three of the sort of form teams, as you say, that have, have gone, gone, gone to sort of take the game to them, and it's played into their hands, and 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 they are they've got that type of team that are um, experienced in in sort of seeing seeing out those types of games and, and getting results out of them. So again, there's a, an experience factor there that I think has to come into it. That okay, it, it's we we were probably favourites for the game, but um, it it just showed us that obviously we've probably still got a long way to go in terms of the, the players. It's still a fairly inexperienced and, and young squad in terms of um, sort of Premier League um, experience so yeah I think it, it's not not a result that we're going to be worrying about too much going forward and um, it, it was what it was we, we got beat we'll, we'll move on and um, but as I say I, I think we can't get too can't be jumping on the team too much because it, the I think West Brom um, came with a game plan I mean you, you mentioned Rodriguez there as well I thought he, he had a good game he, he kept seeming to be picking up the ball in pockets and um, credit to him he, he sort of was a thorn on our side um, all afternoon while he was on so we, we can't expect to, to sort of have everything all going our own way yeah actually he was, he was, they were playing a kind of solid 4-4-2 but he was basically playing as a number 10 off Rondon wasn't yeah. he and he did a very good job of it if, if he's available in the summer you know Rafa have a look get him in um, yeah, I, I'm, and there's not much more to talk about in the match. I don't really want to criticise any individuals. I think we know who had bad games. In the first half, Richie was struggling with his pass and Dummett's had a mare for the goal and he and he struggled against that that Phillips, who was an absolute unit. But I don't really want to have a go at anyone. It was it was just a an off day for everybody. Um, Perez had an off day as well, as, as he I can th- do. I think uh, you, you can't say 1-11, to 11, nobody really exactly, had one of the exactly. days. It was just a... a it would be harsh to single anyone out. Um there's, there's, there's only two other incidents I do want to talk about the match yesterday. Uh, one, obviously, was, has been I didn't even realise it had happened, um, but it's been picked up by Match of the Day and Shearer in particular. Um, Slomani kicking out at... Who was it? Dawson. Dawson. Kevin Dawson. Um, that was it. Um, and to be fair, Dawson was being a bit of a dick, but he just kind of kind of rise above it. Um, it's the sort of thing that if Mitrovic did at this podcast, would be going at him. <laughs> um, how disappointing... Uh, ben, ben on Twitter, BenGN87 has said, how disappointed are you lads in, in Slomani's actions yesterday? If you're going to completely mess up your loan spell, at least do it properly. Raji style, not with a petulant tap kick. <laughs> you know, you could be banned for the last three games, as Shearer said on Match of the Day, and it's kind of, that's it, I think. I don't think we'll see Slomani again, and it's a shame. But Norman, what, what are your thoughts on that incident? Um, obviously, I haven't, I haven't watched it back now, because uh, like you say, we didn't, um, we just saw the kind of melee in the box and the few of the West Brom players complaining, and uh, I think Agazi and Slomani were kind of, Obviously, chatting with each other, and um, he didn't think anything of it. And I've looked at it, and it is—it's exactly what it is. It's—it's it's petulant. Um, I don't think it's particularly—I don't think it's particularly calculated of him. You know, I don't think he's been thinking like five minutes before he's done it. I'm going to hoof this lad. You know, um, <laughs> and I suppose that's possibly the slight difference with him and Mitro. Sometimes in Mitro, you get the impression that he's—you know—he's already thought I'm going to lay one on you at some point because you're annoying me already. Um, whereas I think with Stamani, he just got—he just got wound up and he. And he kicked out like a petulant child, and it was a bit pathetic. Um, you know, it's is it forgivable? Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter if I forgive him or not, because I think he's. I, I don't think he's going to be signing for Newcastle United pre-season. Um, you can't. Uh, there's no way you can take anything away from his contributions against um, Arsenal, Huddersfield. He played. He played incredibly important uh, roles in those two. Those two fantastic victories. But um, and even yesterday when he came on, he he improved the side initially. You know, we we did look a bit more dynamic, a bit more threatening when he came on. Um, but yeah, do, doing that, I mean, it's stupidity. Like uh, like people have mentioned, he's probably going to get a, a retrospective ban and, and that's it. Um, his Newcastle career has 
kind of whoever before it started. I don't think that's. I think if Rafa has been given a, given a limited amount of money in the summer, I would be surprised to see him lash out twenty million on Salamani when when he hasn't really um, proven himself in the in the time that he's been. Yeah, don't get me wrong, he was very unlucky with injuries when he first got here. Um, and as I say, his cameos have been good. But that yesterday, I suppose Rafa will probably look at that and go, "Is it worth me risking this twenty million? Yeah. Probably not." Yeah, I think. I mean. For me, I, th- I thought I thought it was quite quite telling even before the game that, that he didn't he didn't start the game with Slomani. He gave him a game away at Everton. I thought if he really wanted to see what Slomani's like and and with the view to keeping him, he would have been playing him in a game like this, which is a dead rubber for all intents and purposes. Um, the fact that he wasn't in the lineup and he just went back to the 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 eleven players that have won games, it felt it felt like he'd already made a decision on Slomani. Um, and I think he probably definitely has now. And you're right; it's that kind of if we we will and should spend twenty to thirty million on a striker this summer. And I don't think Slomani's the the right one to be putting you putting a lot of eggs in in one basket there. And he's he's not really that 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 kind of moment there yesterday probably sums it up. It's just it's not going to happen from here at Newcastle. I don't know. I, I slightly disagree. With you. I mean, I think what you said about sort of the comparison with Mitro. I don't I don't think Mitro goes in games thinking I'm going to do you. I mean, he might do, but. I think no, a, lot no, of, a lot of his stuff think, is, is reactionary. It is like his hot-headedness is that somebody does something and he goes and attacks him. And I think that's what that was last night. It was just a, a moment of madness where he's done it. But look back to the, the Liverpool-West Brom game um, last week when they were they were, they, they were doing all sorts of stuff. Like there was a guy punched Salah, I think, or Ings or someone. And um, Dawson uh, had a swipe at somebody, I think. And they, that, that's, they were, and they were doing that yesterday. They were frustrating where they were kicking where. And there was a few tackles that I think the referee let go that I, I couldn't believe that he, he didn't book them and I think that's again I mean not I'm not blaming the referees but if you're going to allow if <laughs> I know get, here we go again get the robots in then get the <laughs> here robots we go again <laughs> going having a go at the refs but I just think they they a bit like we said with Bobby Madley on Monday night against Everton he allowed um situations to occur like that by not controlling the game and that's that's that the, the sole purpose really on in, is to to cut out things like that, and if you let little little um, sort of kicks and and nasty tackles go without punishment, it's you, you're gonna wind allow them to wind people up, and and that's what you get at, at, um, reactions like that as a result of that because the, the the unjust sort of feeling of well he's been kicking his whole game, I'm I'm gonna kick him back if you, and you can't send me off if you've not done anything to him. So yeah. I just think the ref the referees really. Play, need to play a, a bigger role in terms of cutting that stuff out if they want to do it but if they don't then it's their fault if anything happens do you know yeah what I, mean? I mean I think West, West Brom are a big physical team and we saw that like they've got a lot of massive players and, and you know we're, we're quite a lightweight team and they played to that strength in particular mm-hmm. yesterday and, and you know what it's it, it's also helped wind up a striker and make him kick out it, it was all part of their plan and they've executed it quite well Norman um, so you, you mentioned um Mitra there, when I, when I said that, um, you know, he, he kind of has someone in the pit, he, he plays against an opposition player and he thinks, I'm going to get one on you. I don't think that he starts the match thinking, I'm going to target someone. I don't think he sat there looking yeah. at the lineups before the match. Going, oh, <laughs> he's playing, I'll go and chin him. No, no, I, think, <laughs> I suppose what, what, I, what, I, what I mean is, is that obviously um, Lanzini, he lamped Alan Lanzini in the face with his elbow for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And, I, and in the other week, he did it with Cahill at, um, for, uh, for Fulham against Millwall. And Cahill had left something on one of one of Mitro's teammates, and he just went up and elbowed him. Ah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Of, you know, like seconds later. Whereas I think, so I think, I think Mitro, I think a lot of the time his kind of violent lashing out that's happened. It's, there's been a more calculated element to it. Um, whereas I think, like Slimani yesterday was just pure of the moment. He just got annoyed with Dawson and just lashed out at him. 
Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a pathetic kick, really. Um, but I am not a. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that Mitt Rowe, like uh, you know, looks through the um, stats on BBC and uh, sees all <laughs> oh, there's a there's a player we're coming up against. I can change him if I cause I fancy it. Definitely not saying that at all. <laughs> Welcome to the True Faith podcast. Talk about Mitro again when he's not even here. <laughs> always how, comes back. How have we got onto Mitro? Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll we'll move on from that. Uh, the only other thing that I think needs addressing from yesterday's match was was what happened at the full time whistle when, and I'll say a minority, but it was it was audible. Uh, there was quite a, a noticeable boo from a small section of the crowd, and it's it's a fucking disgrace. Like that anyone, this is a, this is a Newcastle United team that hasn't lost at home in 2017, uh, 2018 since 2017. What, what, what was all that about? I mean, I mean, I just, I, I couldn't get my head around it. These people are absolute, absolute arseholes, total complete yeah. arseholes. It was a shite game. We know it was a shite game. It was dull. There wasn't many chances, but actually even watching back match of the day, as I said before, we did all right in the end, even in a shite game with a better team and probably deserve something. But what a yeah. bunch of useless, entitled fucking arseholes booing that team. This, th- these lads who've y- ha- yanked up from relegation zone in February to, to where we are now, 10th in the league, three points clear of 11th, with a game in hand, with a better goal difference. And, and they're booing because they're not entertained enough? Fuck off, man. Like, I, was, I was furious. I felt really, really upset that that, was, that that had happened. I don't know if you lads feel as strongly about it, but I came away raging. Yeah. I do. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's it's absolutely moronic behaviour. And there, one of the one of the things about it is, you know, you've got it, it is a very very small amount of fans in the stadium. But the problem is, is that obviously yesterday's game, and this is um, another thing that kind of I've got a bit of a gripe with, is that we're one nil down, and there's like sort of you know you've got maybe in the eighty fifth, eighty sixth minute, you're gonna have like three or four minutes of injury time, so you're looking at probably seven eight minutes to go, and because we're one nil down and because we're not quite getting the rub of the green, it's not quite happening. The stadium's emptying very quickly, and that's what happened yesterday. I thought from 85 minutes onwards, it did start emptying very quickly. We we, we both kind of pointed it out, uh, Simon, you and I. And um, what happens then is is that, obviously, by by the time the full-time whistle guns, people get up and leave straight away as well. So you're left with, you know, not many fans in the stadium. So those who do boo, even though they're a tiny minority, it kind of reverberates more. So then what happens is you've got the players obviously being able to hear that. You've got Rafa being able to hear that. And... It's so utterly unhelpful. And you think, well, if, if everyone had stayed in until the end and kind of clapped the players off the pitch, because regardless of yesterday's performance, those players still deserve to be clapped off the pitch after the season that they've had. Yeah. And if that had happened, if that had happened, the boom wouldn't even have registered. But the situation we've got is, is because loads of people left, because this kind of this this booing echoed around the stadium, all of a sudden you've got like you know, Newcastle fans booing their players off the pitch, and it's so it's so utterly negative to do that. Um, Klopp, Klopp had a, a brilliant, um, he put out some brilliant this season about um, kind of negativity of booing in the stadium, not helping at all. And he's and he's absolutely right. And it's uh, it is it's it, any anybody who booed they booed yesterday needs to have a look at themselves and actually ask themselves whether or not they're a Newcastle fan because that's that's truly pathetic. I can only assume it's people who haven't been there for the last the last few months. They've they've, they've picked up a ticket for the West Brom game from from a mate who couldn't go or something, and they've showed up expecting Newcastle who've who've won. The last, the last, well, barring Everton, the last four or five games, um, yeah, I, I totally agree, Norman. And yeah, I, I like to believe that your your explanation there makes a bit of sense. That the stadium had emptied out a bit. It was a cold evening, and people were going home early. And it, I don't, I don't agree with it, but maybe that's why the the hundred or two hundred people that do end up booing could be heard so well. But it, it's it's really really frustrating. I really hope that Rafa doesn't think too much of it. I really hope the players don't think too much of it. It is a minority of people. Every football club has them. We're sure Sunderland has loads more of them. Um, on Everton, <laughs> on Everton, yeah. 
Um, I think just it, it's just bizarre. In terms, I'd love to be able to ask the the people what what are you doing because there wasn't. A, a, I've I've seen a couple of things on social media. There wasn't a lack of application or a lack of um, effort effort there from that team. We we didn't play badly. Okay, we've we've lost it. I get we've lost the game. So I'm assuming that's what they're doing. But you, in terms of the players, like what what why are you boot? They've they've put everything into that game. We've we've created chances. We've just been a bit unlucky. There's there's not really anything there, as we said. To sort of particularly criticise any, you you can't criticise them for that performance really in terms of given given such a harsh. I mean, booing somebody is is pretty harsh. It's it just a, it's it didn't new, warrant that. Yeah. It, it was okay. You're not happy, but booing that performance just doesn't make any sense. I don't get what you get out of it. It's, it's a weird. ridiculous behaviour for an adult human to be making that noise. Boo! It's it's strange. We've talked about it before. It's such an an odd thing for anyone a grown up who's paid money to go and watch a football match to do. Um, Na- Nacho Dog again came on Twitter and said shall we identify the people who boo and arrange for a, for the captain to go around and give them a clip because it worked for Modi Army that seems to t- turn his life around um, uh, yeah what, what, not a bad idea I really hope that some of those people um, got injured on the way home got maimed by a pigeon or something you know, just <laughs> something not too terrible but something bad happened to them to, maimed to, by a pigeon. to, to ruin their day a bit like, more because well, like, they, um... Like they were like basically chatting to each other and they criticised the performance and then a pigeon took a shit and it like the shit landed him on their mouths or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. Ash- Ashley Young. Yeah. Or, or the shit landed just in front of them and they slipped on it or something, you know. Something <laughs> stupid and terrible shit happened to these people. <laughs> that must have been a big pigeon shit. Like <laughs> 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 right. So uh, we've had to say on that. It's a, it's a disgrace, but it's been, you know, we haven't seen it for a long time because Rafa Smag has been playing so well and I'm sure Rafa... We'll, we'll, we'll not think too much can I, can I, sorry Sammy can I add something that, um, that kind of extends on that point of booing go on um, so Hosselu, uh, this is I mean this is a tiny 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 not, it's so tiny it's not even a minority of fans because it's like not even like you know there's not even enough fans you can count on one hand but Hosselu putting a put, um, like a photo out on Twitter this morning of him and his kid and they're saying something about how much he loves his kid and then a couple of fans like, like basically slating him for his performance yesterday saying you know You've got this wonderful opportunity to be a professional footballer. It's a gift you should take it with both hands. And you're thinking, I mean, how utterly unnecessary is that? Um, Hossler had a great chance at the end. He missed it. We all know that he's, you know, he's a championship striker at best. Um, and I'm pretty sure he he doesn't he doesn't you know he doesn't choose to miss those chances. You know what I mean? He still puts <laughs> the effort, and he's just not quite good enough. And to like to reply to a tweet that a footballer's put up with his kid and criticise him for performances. I mean, it's it's spectacularly pathetic. It truly is. If he has chosen Norman, he wants all the abuse in the world. If he's elected to miss those chances, yeah. I mean, it, exactly. it wasn't the the balls coming to him. It looks like I, I don't know who's there first. I think it's Diarmid. Lejeune. Lejeune. It looks like Lejeune's going to head it. Lejeune doesn't quite connect with it, so he's got a very short amount of time to react to it, and it, it makes the miss look worse than it probably was. But this is a lad who hasn't really been in the team for the last like two months. He's hardly played much, and he's come in. And he's he's done a job up front with with another striker that he's never played with in Slomani. And you know, like, how can we be that critical of him? It's just, it's just. It's I don't, I don't know what the small number of fans want. I don't know what they want. Yeah, that that's the thing. What what do you gain from from doing that? It's just pathetic. But alas, never mind. um, it kind of it'll lead into the, the debate about what we kind of need to bring in this summer. But um, Ben GN eighty seven also asked. Can you recall any UFC ever missing so many sitters in one season? It does feel like a whole season where we've just 
we've missed chance after chance after chance. And is that just, have we been really, really unlucky this season? Or is that indicative of the fact that we do need to invest in, in yeah. some better better strikers? I, that, that's it, isn't it? It's it's the striking department, I think. When you look, okay, the, the lads were good enough last season in the um, championship. But you you do look at the front line of Perez, Gale and Hosloo. Obviously, Slomani's come in towards the end. I think has has added something and looked good. Um, he's not really had the opportunities to sort of show that. I mean, he should have been gifted a goal from Perez in, in the Everton game that he didn't get. And he's not really had any other opportunities where he's... I, I could, don't remember him really having a, a goal-scoring chance, to be honest, in, in most games. So um, I think... But the other lads, obviously Perez, Gale and, and Hosselu, they do just lack that bit of quality at, at the top end. And, and that's what it is. And it's no secret. Everybody knows it that... And, and Rafa, obviously, that's why we've ended up with Slomani in, in January. Rafa understood that that's that's where we need we needed a bit of quality up at the top end of the pitch. And I think um, if, the, if if you think of just putting a decent striker on the end of, of a lot of those chances, we, we wouldn't have been in the position we're in. Um, having said that, at, at, at the same time, I'm, I don't want to be too critical of the players because the likes of Gale and Perez have put in massive shifts this season and they've done a lot of good for the team. Off, more so off the ball really as well so that shouldn't go unnoticed but um, I think that's it's it's a department where we do need to, to improve and we'll probably just lack, lack that bit of composure in the sort of what in the in the final moments of, of um, sort of the play where we, we just need that bit of quality and that'll have a massive difference on the team Yeah, um, Norman I'll ask you this question it's from Adam Widrington um, regular podcast contributor how many strikers does Rafa need to buy this summer? Oh it's a tough one. Um, I mean, every every point Ben, ben made there is bang on. You know, um, yeah. Gale and Perez put in so much work, and they're intelligent players. You know, they they create space, they make the right runs, they get into positions to to score goals, especially Gale. But unfortunately, they they are they aren't clinical enough. That's that's the issue. They're just not clinical enough. Um, and as a forward, no matter how much work you're putting in, like they are. Um, you do have to score goals, and obviously Gale's got five or six this season, and that's it, that. That just we we all know that that's not enough, and Gale himself will know that that's not enough. I mean, he's a he's a straight guy, he knows that he trades goals. Um, so how many do you have to buy? I mean, look, would I be happy to see Dwight Gale the next season? Uh, would I would I be happy to see Dwight Gale the next season? One hundred percent. Would I like to somebody see somebody up front who, who's going to get fifteen to twenty goals? Absolutely. Um, would I like to see Perez there next season? Yes, I would. But what I like to see in number ten, who perhaps weighs in with more goals and is maybe um, a little quicker. Yes, I absolutely would. Um, but that's it for me. Get get one high quality number ten in. Get one high quality centre forward in. Then there's no reason why Gill and Perez can't can't still be important contributors to the squad. But obviously not as you know regular starters or not starting every single game and being pretty much the only options we have. We do need a couple of players to make us that bit more clinical. Um, but why? Why not? I mean, one, one forward, probably two forwards, because Hosley, well, I think will be on his way, and Samani's on loan. So let's say we need to go out and sign two centre forwards. But I think we need, we just need the one who's exceptionally clinical, and then Gale and someone at his level, perhaps, or just a bit above, yeah. to be challenging for that position. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. You you bring Perez and the number ten position in as well. Um, Anthony Edmonds Fahi, <laughs> if I'm saying that right. Apologies, Anthony, if I'm not. Uh, he's saying that Perez has shown not to be a number 10 again in the last few games. Um, a bit harsh on him considering the, the three previous games he scored in and, and, and played excellent. But uh, it, 
it's been a funny season for Perez where we just haven't quite got enough out of him in terms of goals. He's, he's been involved and he's, he's worked his arse, as I've said, Norman, and he's, his defensive contribution, his overall contribution to the team has been fantastic. But if we want to improve, if we want to improve on a presumed top 10, top 11 finish, um, then yes, I totally agree with you. I think I think what I'd like to see as well is, is we'll get a striker, a, a, a much better striker than what we'll have now, whether that's a th- you know that's got to be a minimum of £30 million to spend these days. Um and if you've got a min striker, then you can still have a Gale or, or even a Mitrovic um, as, as other options. I mean, I don't know if either of those will still be here because to, to make funds up, we might sell Gale, we might sell Mitrovic to, to, to bring some cash back in. But what we need is is a centre forward that we can build around and then have those players contributing as well. Same with Perez. I think I think we need to improve on him, buy a better player, and then he can still be in around the team, chipping in, making an appearance off the bench. And, and that's kind of... The first two places Rafa's probably going to be looking because the defence has been really good and, and looking really really settled at the minute. Ben, I think it depends on what investment we get in the squad because you would say if we're going to have another season next year like this where um, we, I mean at the end of the day if we, we haven't got enough to improve other areas of the squad as well, then I, I don't think we need a huge amount because as I say that they they've played a massive part in the way this team is fought in terms of off the ball and, and the way we play. They they are dogged players. They're not they don't necessarily get you the quality in the final third attacking wise, but the the work they do defensively is shouldn't go unnoticed and is massive for the way this team works. And I mean you look at the difference with when Gale's in the team with Shelby. Um he makes Gale makes Shelby look better because he gets on the end of all these balls and, and Perez again, the hounding he does off the ball is is, is sort of Again, is is really quality work and something that I'm sure Rafa um, really appreciates. If you go out and buy two quality, maybe a quality striker and a quality attacker midfielder, normally that you don't get those traits out of them. That they're, they're selfish. Then they're players that just look to to sort of involve um, get involved in the game in when when the team's on top and they're attacking. I mean, you look at some of the the best strikers in the world. They they don't do any running. They're just waiting for chances. I mean, look at. Um, completely related to best strikers in the world. Look at Jermaine Defoe at um, Bournemouth. He doesn't get involved in any of the play. Um, and obviously back when he was at Sunderland as well, he, he was literally just using all his energy for that one opportunity where he got. And obviously, if you start playing with a strike like that, where we're having to carry an extra man in that team, or potentially two if we get a number 10 that's just in, interested in getting getting on the ball and attacking, um, then we're going to look a very, very different team. And, and you could actually see the team suffer because of that. I mean, look at Arsenal, the, the types of players they've had over the years. Some absolute fantastic quality, but the criticism they've always had is that they've got no fight in them and, and they're just, the players are so attack-orientated that they don't, don't get involved in any of the nitty-gritty stuff. And that leaves teams that sort of can can cope with the um their, their attack when they counter attack the the route number them and, and that's that's why Arsenal have struggled for so long so you have to be careful with the the blend of the the, the team that you bring in that you're not going to lose the qualities that have made this team so good um to to potentially just get a few more goals because okay if we get another striker that maybe scores five six more goals next season however you might have the the ad- adverse impact that we probably ship 20 sort of 20 more goals that year. So in terms of the net impact it has, I think we need to be very careful. Going back to the original point, I mean, it's undoubted we need we need additional players in those um, positions in 10 and, and 9 just because we, we don't have a lot of options. I mean, Perez is literally the only number 10 in the, in the team at the yeah. minute, so we have to get other players in. But I think Rafa will, will need to be careful sort of the type the type that he brings in that they fit in with, with this team and the sort of the, the character of the team. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. 
I agree, sir. I'm, I'm, I'll put in there, Simon. I'm, I think you were going to make a point. I've just put it straight and I apologise profusely. No, go on, go on. Um, good, good points, Ben. I mean, you know, obviously Gail and Perez do give away that that extra by. It's almost kind of the defending from the front to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but I think what I don't think what Rafa's going to do in pre-season, obviously, you know, bearing in mind, you know, how much, how much it's all all hinges on how much money he gets. But I can't imagine he's going to go out for one second and buy you. Like a, a centre forward who was nothing other than just a goal scorer, because like you say, it doesn't it doesn't fit in with the style of how he sets his teams up. I mean, yeah. you even look at like when he had Torres at Liverpool. Torres grafts; he, he's always been a grafter as a striker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what we what we want is we obviously want you know somebody with kind of Gale's work ethic and ability to harass and hurry the opposition, but also who's a bit more clinical. And I mean, I think. Um, you know, we're not going to be. There's not going to be any kind of unrealistic targets. I mean, you know, you look at the sides in the bottom three, and if you look at someone like Southampton or West Brom, even players like um, Charlie Austin and Gio Rodriguez, you know, they're no world beaters by any stretch of imagination, but they're not just lazy centre forwards, and they're a little, that little bit more clinical, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a case of you know this like whole revolutionary change. We're going to get in like a, a kind of Ben Arthur esque number ten, and uh, yeah. um, you know, like a Lacazette like like or Obama Young style centre forward who like you say because they neglect the kind of defensive aspects of the game it means that we're, we're more liable to concede and um, I just think it's going to be a, an incredibly as it, it will always be with Rafa an incredibly well thought out process in the in the window and, and we all know that if if he can't upgrade on say Perez and Gale then he won't he won't buy players for the sake of it you know yeah I, I, absolutely absolutely I, I mean if there's one man you trust to make those kind of decisions and to pick the right players it's Rafa Benitez, isn't it? He's done it almost perfectly so far. Yes, he's had a couple of couple that haven't come good. Your, your um, uh, Lazars and a few people like that. But um, you know what? He, he's he's picked some fantastic players so far, and even Kennedy. If if he can get him on permanent, I'm not saying he can for one minute, because he's probably probably going to be in high demand this summer. If, if Chelsea don't want to keep him, whoever whoever takes over at Chelsea, he'll be in big demand for big money. So I'll, it'll be a shame, but we'll probably probably not that likely to keep him because he's so good unless he really has been bitten by the Newcastle Berg, the Rafa Berg and, and fancies it, which which could happen and I hope Stop it does. booing him. <laughs> yeah, d- d- yeah. There's 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 two hundred booers could could be the difference, you never know. Um Mark Wallace, Waller eighty one, um on Twitter says we, we lack a proper creative midfielder, someone to pick a clever pass or and finding a forward. I mean we've got John Joe Shelby and he's he's pretty good at that, but yesterday albeit he had a he had a poor poor mm-hmm. game. Um, he goes on to say, also someone willing to take a man on. Everything's a bit slow yesterday. Final ball, terrible. Bit of fatigue creeping in. But yeah, his point is that creative midfield is the other thing we're kind of kind of lagging. Yeah, we, we talk about Perez. He does he does run at plays. He tries to take them on. Doesn't come off come off that often. And But when it does, things happen. Yeah, just an improvement on that, as he said, Ben. We've only got one number 10. Attack midfielders, I mean, we've been so reliant on Shelby and Diame over the last few months. If one of them had been injured, I don't know where I would have gone because Marino... Since his injury, just just I'm really worried. I don't know if he's he's got a future at Newcastle. So, a centre midfielder is is another area where we're really short. If if there's an injury there, we'll we'll just we'll fall off a cliff. It would have been interesting actually if if Marino was able to come into that ten role because I, th- I get what he's saying. I mean, I, th- I think it's 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 not ignoring what Shelby does, but Shelby, I mean, we saw it yesterday, dropped so deep. You need someone to link. We we, we had a complete. Um, sort of disconnect between the midfield and the attack yesterday, yeah. and that's what the issue was: was that we didn't have anybody able to bring bring the ball down from from Shelby's sort of ball because he sits so deep. He, he's playing long balls, 
Um, and you need someone that's able to bring that down and, and then sort of allow them to get up the pitch and, and um, contribute higher up. So I get where what he's getting at. And unfortunately, Perez, I don't think, gives gives you that. He's a bit too lightweight to be able to hold the ball up. There was a couple of times where he sort of got away from, from players. There was one where McLean just went and shoulder barged him and he just fell over and the ref didn't give anything and he played on. And you just think that's, that's where we're sort of lacking. And again, so the Marino one... Um, it would have been interesting to see um, sort of him maybe in the, the 10 role, just sort of seeing what he could do because he's got the technical ability to hold up the ball. He's a big lad as well. Um, it's good in the air, obviously. He scored, he's scored a couple of, um, well, he scored against Palace and um, he, he won, won a lot of headers and things like that. So he would have been an interesting player to sort of see what he might have done in that 10 role ahead of Diarmi and Shelby. But obviously he was viewed very much as the, the, the alternative to, to Shelby. Um, it would have been nice to see what those three could have done together, but if if that's not not going to sort of happen, then definitely we probably do need a, a player that is going to be able to come in and and contribute. I mean, we, we mentioned it um, already about Rodriguez, and you've just said it there. He he looked a really good player and and sort of really um, did well in in that limited West Brom sort of attack because I mean they, they 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 weren't doing much of it, but when they were, he was causing issues for us, and he's got a bit of pace about him. He is a finisher. I mean. He's a player that has scored a bags of goals for Burnley in the past and um, has got a good reputation in the Premier League. I mean, it wasn't long ago he's been linked with Spurs, I think. And um, So if, if he was available, that would be a great signing, I think. But um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the one of the most important positions that we look at is just how um, we, we can impact the game more in the final third and just bring something different that we don't have at the minute. Yeah, and what, what you've said before is it's so important to find the right player who can still keep up that work rate because that work rate is what's... It saved our season that Shelby, Perez, Diame, for all they lack, um, not so much Shelby, who is a quality player, but for all they lack in ability, and Diame, I don't know what the hell's happened to him. Because um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even describe how he lacks ability because he's got so much more ability than anyone else on the pitch at the minute. <laughs> but generally speaking, those three, you'd have said at the beginning of the season, are quite limited in, in what they have talent-wise. Compared, you know, they're, not, they're, they're, they're Premier League footballers, but probably not much more than that. And yet, what we're getting out of them is, has been has been phenomenal this season. And yet, so while we, can, we could look to improve those players, we, we can't sacrifice the work we've been getting out of them. Um, I'll move on to defenders. I mean, defensively, we've been so good since since Christmas. Basically, um, it's hard to find to find fault with with players. I mean, even Yedlin has really improved recently, and his pace is is something that is really important to us at times. But um, Burnsy NUFC, whose Twitter handle is Ben Arthur Chance. Has said, can the ineptitude of our fullbacks be discussed? Yedlin and Dummett, um with more negative influence than positive. He's saying um, harsh again because they've both they've both played really well recently. Dummett, from from the player that we we used to criticise regularly on this pod, uh, podcast as as not good enough to play football for Newcastle in the Premier League as not a fullback. He has proven that he is a fullback. He can play left fullback and he can play left fullback in the Premier League. Um, if your point is that we're in a difficult position now, and me and Norman keep talking about this, um, where we love this set of players, the, 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 the graft they've put in, it's hard to be critical of them. When when you talk about who do you want to come in to replace them, you don't want to replace any of these players because I've got nothing against any of them at the minute. Mm-hmm. Dummett included, Yedlin included, the work rate and, and what they've done for the season since Rafa's taken over. But if this club wants to then take the next step, and we're in that kind of weird loop where to go forward, we need Rafa Benitez, but to have Rafa Benitez, we need to be aiming to go forward. So we can't go into the top eight without Rafa Benitez. And unless we're aiming to go into the top eight, Rafa Benitez won't stick around. 
So th- maybe that's why you do have to start making some difficult decisions. Do you, do you sort of say, right, Paul, you're a squad player, but we need a better left fullback who can get forward, who can contribute a bit more. Yedlin, defensively a little bit frail, albeit his pace often helps him recover if, if there's a mistake. Um, the centre-halves, I really don't think we could do better at the minute than, than Lejeune, Lascelles, and maybe having a having a backup in there because I don't think Mbemba yeah, is probably probably away. Uh, Kieran Clark was probably shown not to be good enough. Um, so, again, injuries in there and we're suddenly in real trouble. So we do need some defensive reinforcements. Norman, do, do you agree? Do you think the full-backs are, are kind of our weak link at the moment or do you think that's harsh? I think it's harsh because uh, they've had um, you know one one bad game since what Christmas maybe. Um, <laughs> Dummett's been absolutely fantastic since he's come back from injury, and and Yedlin's been really good as well. He had a really poor run of form and during the bad run, um, and he you know what obviously Watford was he's kind of in the game, um, but he's come back a lot stronger for it. And they both just had off days yesterday. Of course, going on to the next level, are they good enough? I mean, none none of us know. But what they do need is they need competition. Um, that's what's important. What you want is you want, you know, we want, ideally in pre-season, we'll have Rafa go out and he'll sign a right and left back who can who either, you know, better than uh, the current two or they can at least challenge them to push them on to the next level. But um, I'm definitely not uh, in the kind of writing them off, writing them off camp. I think uh, these two fullbacks have got us into the top 10 and therefore, it, 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 you know, it is a bare minimum that the excellent squad players to have. Um, you know, if Rafa went out in the summer, and picked up Bertrand from a relegated Southampton. Would Bertrand be in the side ahead of Dummett? Probably. But, um, you know, I don't think that's any reason to kind of write Dummett off and to maybe get rid of him. I think, uh, I think both have got a, I think both have got a part to play next season and I think, I think they'll both still be here, uh, regardless of whether or not we, we sign other players in those positions. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think my, my point on that is, is, is that, that if we buy players who are better than any of the team we have, great, but it doesn't mean that that's the end of their Newcastle careers. If we buy uh-huh. a striker, it doesn't mean we'll have to sell Gale or that Gale's done. It means that we've got an improved player and then Gale has to work hard to get chances to kind of to stick around. Same with Dummett, same with Yedlin. If we can bring in a, 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 a much better right back, it doesn't mean that we're done with Yedlin. He, he would be a good squad player to have and I'm sure he'd appreciate the chance to, to try and prove himself and stick around to fight for his place. Dummett would be the same. He would fight for his place and give him opportunities. He's done it before where players have been injured and he's come in. So, yeah, I, I think it is harsh to be critical of, of those two players in particular based on our defensive record since since the start of this year. Um, Paul Dummett has been absolutely excellent. You know, really proven that he could he could be a, a solid Premier League player for year, years to come. Yedlin's probably got a bit more to do. He's, he's had a good couple of weeks apart from from yesterday. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think any of our any of the signings we make will be about replacing players. It'll be about adding depth, adding a, a quality player in a position, which means that we've got depth and, and strength in the squad. I think you you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of the competition. That obviously when when we've had our best best side sort of recently in the recent history, it's been been when we've had lots of options and we've had real quality and, and sort of players pushing each other on. Um, going back to the original question, though, I do agree with him a little bit. I mean, I've I've been quite critical of Yedlin at times, and I, I completely understand what you're saying, and he he does a job, but I just think he's he's lacking the fundamentals of of what we require at a full back, and I'll probably give Dummett the the nod over Yedlin because at least Dummett is really sound defensively and um, rarely ever gets dominated. I mean, he, he made a mistake yesterday, but that that one mistake cost it. He didn't really have much trouble at any, any other time. There was a couple of times where they were getting down the white flank and he, he seemed to sort of deal, deal with the issues. So um, I think Dummett's got a, a role to play in terms of 
when we've got to go and set a team up to to be defensive and be defensively sound and maybe if there's um sort of a, a winger there that's that's got a bit of height about him Domit would would be the man that you would choose because he he is almost like an extended sort of left at uh, center back playing at left back but you you can't we can't deny and we can't ignore what the criticisms we had in the past were that he doesn't offer enough going forward in in the attack and um in terms of Yedlin I think his his is is one sort of saving grace is that he is really fast he can recover but he he does make a lot of mistakes and I, I feel like we can upgrade that position if we just had someone a bit more tactically aware and a bit bit more um sort of idea in terms of what what they need to do in in defensive situations i mean there's again there was a couple of times there was a, a long ball up to yadlin yesterday where he, he didn't really know what to do and he's just sort of jumped with a header and, and given the ball away and it's just things like that it's fundamentals you, you should know at this level what what to do and, and sort of not take any risks and I feel like he does take a lot of risks and I just, I don't know, I don't think, I think Yedlin's probably the weakest link in this team in terms of, I think he's the player that can be got out the most and is, isn't is as defensively sound as the, the other three positions. So I think if there was one priority for my team, and I said it on the, um, the podcast I did with uh, Dodgy last week, I think that would be my sort of number one choice would be for, for a right back that, is defensively sound and and sort of can contribute in the attack. I mean, interestingly, we saw yet um, Kennedy came on for sorry, Dummett came off yesterday for Murphy and Kennedy went into left back. Um, and I was really excited to see that sort of uh, Richie went over to the left wing and we we had Kennedy at left back and he didn't do too badly. Um, Kennedy he had a few opportunities towards the end of the game and obviously he was basically playing as a left winger. We had sort of two left wingers. He was playing that high up the pitch. But at the same time, I felt like again he—I don't know whether it was the the game plan or what—but he, he he sort of lacked intensity in terms of he wasn't really making overlapping runs, he wasn't really getting involved, and I don't know if that's just the way Rafa had told him to play the left back role in terms of be think think defensively first and and don't overcommit. Um, but it just—I I felt like we could have got a lot more out of Kennedy from from what we see and what we know about him as an attacking winger. Um, I was expecting a bit more from him from a left back position, um, but yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't know why that didn't work. But there's definitely, if depending on what what how this team sort of um, sort of materialises next year, and, and depending on how Rafa, if fingers crossed, he's still here, and with the investment, how he depending on what sort of the game plan is going to be for this team. If we're going to go out and dominate teams, then we need two fullbacks that can that that can contribute at both ends of the pitch. Whereas at the minute, I think we've got. Yedlin, who's that fast that he can get forward, and I think he he probably do, he's probably a better as an attacking threat than he is defensively. Um, and then on the other side, we've got Dummett, who doesn't really get involved in the attack at all, and and is very much a sort of sound defensive uh, player. So I think there's the, the, the two positions that we definitely we can upgrade. I mean, in terms of the individuals, I think they've still got roles to play in the team, but um, I think they are two important positions where we can improve. I mean, just on Yedlin though, even yesterday, it was frustrating that he was the player that was getting a lot of the ball, um, and we were really wasteful. Um, sort of with with that, and, and we all said yesterday there were a lot of players were off. I mean, him and Richie yesterday, I, I don't think clicked too well, but it, it was just a one-off game in terms of. Um, Things that they were trying didn't quite come off. I think they do generally as a partnership. They work quite well. I mean, the Yedlin's over overlapping runs um, do do get us in good positions. So it's not something that we should just take for granted that we can do much better. But I, I think it's something that we, we we do probably do need to strengthen if we want to make that uh, jump forward. Yeah, I mean, just just quickly on Paul Dummett before before we move on. Um, 
if you think about how much he's improved over the last 18 months under Rafa, um, why, why can't he continue to improve? Um, and, and you can say that for any Newcastle player. If whatever whatever team we start the season with, you know that it will be better after 12 months under Rafa. So if he stays and and is given some money to spend and we've still got some young players in there to work on, we'll be, we'll be far better for it as, as time goes on. Norman, have you got anything more to add to that? No, I'm at a pretty comprehensive uh, explanations, I suppose. Of course, you know, what I would say is obviously, you know, we would take an improvement in every position if it was realistic. But um, looking at, you know, thinking kind of ahead of the summer and how much Rafa might have to spend, um, I just don't right now think that um, Yedlin and Dummett's positions are the ones that we, we desperately need the, or more desperately need the changes in. So, yes, yes, we'd love to get players who are, you know, um, for want of a better word, better than them. But at the same time, I think the most important thing is getting is getting good competition in for them and then looking to, to spend what money Rafa does have in, in the areas that are going to make a, a bigger impact on taking us forward, i.e. Um, the forward positions. Yeah, yeah spot on. Um, right, we'll, we'll, we'll probably wrap it up there then. Um, oh, just a quick quick word on our, on our neighbours um, and probably listen to the podcast, Hello Sunland Football Club. They've... Uh, <laughs> They've got rid of uh, Chris Coleman today, and there's also talk that, that Ella Short's finally about to, to, to part ways. Um, I'd just like to say to both of them, thank, thanks very much. Thanks for the memories, because it's been <laughs> it's been absolutely class having you both involved um, for, for as long as you have been on, on both counts. So that's that's great. Cheers, lads. Anyone else want to have a quick dig before we, before we wrap up? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a dig. I'll just, um, I would just like to say all the best to the incoming chairman from Eastleigh Football Club. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, okay, cheers. Thanks thanks for joining us, lads. Thanks, Norman. Thanks, Ben. Um, we'll be back. Uh, is it Exiles or Originals this week on, uh, on Patreon? Ex- Ex- Exiles, Norman? Exiles, that's correct. On, uh, we'll be recording that on Thursday night. Originals week. might be getting pied. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> the Originals hasn't gone well so far. Um, Norman, myself and Mark Cowley also um, got the chance to meet Ryan Taylor on Friday. Uh, we do, we've had a 30-minute interview with him, which we'll be putting out in the very near future. Um, to patrons so please sign up you can also as mentioned at the start of the show there's a brand new um, episode of true, <laughs> true faith fanzine that's a that's a book so it's a brand new issue um 138 just gone live on the on the website loads of brilliant articles in there please please click and have a look are um, we gonna have to like to act in classes and start like putting out like a show called the true faith fanzine just <laughs> acting out like i don't know it just turn it like biker grove or something wouldn't it like yeah episode one coming soon